Welcome to the Ars Technicast, where we bring you the latest in the worlds of computing, technology, science, and everything else in between. During each episode, a group of Ars staffers will dig deep into some of the issues we've covered on the site. We'll also talk about some of the other stuff we're doing when we're not circling the Ars orbiting headquarters. I am your host, Senior Apple Editor Jackie Chang, and on this week's show we have Social Editor Cesar Torres. Hello. Reviews Editor Lee Hutchinson. Howdy. And Associate Writer Andrew Cunningham. Hello. So this week, uh, Apple just unveiled the iPad Mini, and that's what we're dedicating our show to. Um, we don't have a particular topic we're going to focus on. We're just going to talk about uh, the Mini. So I guess I'll just jump right into it. I um, I messed with the Mini after the events on Tuesday, uh, and people keep asking me questions about it, about how it compares to the Kindle in particular. Um, and I have... I personally have never used a Kindle Fire, but I have other Kindles in my house. And um, so I guess that is it, – it, it makes sense that people are asking about it, but it for some reason surprised me because basically it tells me that everyone is thinking about this thing as it relates to Kindles. Um, do you guys agree with that? I think that's what's fascinating about this. There's there's a different group of people in the world. There's two. One, one group of people wants to compare – Kindles constantly to tablets, and we've done some. I've done some of that, and then other people think there's no comparison at all. But I think it's interesting that this is making people think about that a little more. Um, is that because of the size, Jackie? I, I guess so. I mean, it does seem you know when you hold it, it is a lot more Kindle-like than you know an original uh, full-size iPad. So in that sense, I, I can see the comparison. Um, Although I think that comparing it directly to a Kindle that's not a Kindle Fire is kind of a strange comparison to make because I consider them to be completely different products. Um, you know, they la- are, and, and they seem to have their own. <clears throat> excuse me. They seem to have their own dedicated user base too. We, we ran that poll um, that I still haven't done a write up on on what <laughs> e-reader choices our our readers take. You know, which who who likes what e-reader better? Uh, and I was actually really surprised that the e-ink e-readers regardless of brand, dominated over the non-e-ink e-readers. And so, I mean, that to me says that the core e-reader audience, the, you know, the guys that are buying a, a tablet, or excuse me, that are buying a Kindle to primarily read books on it, probably aren't going to be interested in a mini for reading books because it doesn't have, a, it doesn't have an e-ink screen. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I consider those things to be totally different. And I um, I recently switched back to Kindle for reading. I kind of went to iPad for a while. Um but yeah, exactly. I think that the people who are into e-ink just would not ever buy a, a backlit device for reading. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are some swing people in the middle, but like, I, I think the overall market is different. Yeah, I kind of uh, the best e-book for me is the one that I have with me. So usually, most of the time, that ends up being my phone, and then um, I've got a Nexus Seven that I use for it too. So I've I've kind of got a lot of <laughs> smallish uh, backlit screens I could read on already. So, so the iPad mini doesn't really have any appeal for me as a, as an e-reader, I guess. What do you, I mean, so if, if the iPad mini doesn't seem that appealing as an e-reader, and of course this is just with us, but I mean, what do you think that people will want to use it for? You know, it's an interesting question. And I, I fall into the nerd trap that so many people fall into. As soon as one of these devices comes out, my first thought is, well, what the hell good is that? You know, I, <laughs> I, I have a difficult time envisioning the utility behind a seven inch tablet. And then 
you know, everybody loves these things and they buy huge numbers of them. And, and so like right off the top of my head, I mean, I, I don't really know. I don't know what a seven inch tablet, frankly, buys you that a 10 inch doesn't other than the fact that you can cram it into a smaller space <laughs> and carry it with you. I think that's the key, though. The, the fact that, you know, they, it was mentioned in the keynote that you can hold it in one single hand. What I've noticed with the Kindle as it got tinier and tinier was that it became more versatile for people. And so, uh, you know, carrying it around is something that I think now I can actually picture like musicians maybe having like lyrics in front of them with the single um, iPad or maybe uh, giving it to children. And now it's suddenly easier to manipulate because everything's been reduced. So I think it's maybe more about the apps that we'll see that take advantage of the smaller form factor, even for cooking. You know, I use my um, iPad to have recipes up in my kitchen and I've always worried that I'm going to drop the whole thing into the sink or on a burning stove and ruin it because it's so big and heavy. And with something smaller, I might actually be able to tuck it or maybe even prop it up uh, a little more safely. Not, now, that, not that, is, that I'm getting one. I, I, I don't have plans <laughs> to get one. Yeah. It is the, you know, and now, of course, I just said that I don't really know what people use a mini for, but I, I do feel like if you don't already own an iPad or you don't already own an, another tablet or something, an iPad mini does have an appeal. I mean, it is significantly cheaper than a full-size iPad. So if you are, like, curious about the ecosystem or whatever, um, I mean, it's kind of a good starter iPad. <laughs> it's <laughs> just uh, reminded me of this when he said kids, because I was thinking about this, too, about, you know, maybe you might give an iPad mini to a to I don't know like a 10 year old or something for a gift and um, I mean I think that's the same thing for people who like parents or anyone else who is sort of curious about it but may may not want to invest you know $500 into something um, well and there's and there's another interesting question and that's that's it's a question whose answer is different depending upon how how geeky you are I guess and that's why would you pick an iPad mini over another seven-inch tablet. So, you know, Florence Ion, Flo, our, our new reviews editor, uh, just did a write-up on the front page about, like, a, it was like a seven-inch tablet roundup, um, talking about the uh, various seven-inch tablets that are out there and what pros and cons they have, and she included the mini in the in the list. Um, and a lot of the a lot of the comments on the article. Um, <clears throat> got into the pros and cons of, you know, this 7-inch Android tablet versus this other thing. So I think the the geek set, the people who tend to base their buying decisions on 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 specs and speeds and feeds, um, probably aren't going to find a lot of added value in, in, in yet another iPad. Uh, on the other side of that, though, you've got non-technological buyers, people who, people who like tech but aren't necessarily, you know, propeller head geeks who... <laughs> Who may not necessarily understand the difference between you know an Android tablet and an iPad? I mean, there's you know people like God lover like my mom who think everything tablet shaped is an iPad, like <laughs> Surface is the Microsoft iPad and all that. And so for them, you know, the fact that now there's an Apple device in the smaller form factor, maybe that's maybe that's you know maybe that's a good thing for them. Well, I think it's I mean it, I, it's kind of obvious to say this, but I mean Apple is obviously marketing this as a slight premium over say other Android tablets that are like 199 or 250. Um, I mean, it, it is going for the iPad mini is going for 329. So it, it's a little bit more expensive. But I mean, Apple's shtick has always been that its products are worth the, the slight, you know, just a little extra. 
And so I think I was just talking to someone about this last night. Um, You're right. I mean, I think people who are really analyzing like dollars to, you know, whatever functionality you value most, um, it might be a harder comparison. But I think for a lot of people, actually, the the whole argument that the iPad is worth the premium might work. I mean, Apple already it works for everything else Apple sells. So, um, so I don't know. I, I I wonder. I've listened to a lot of arguments about the you know extra hundred dollars that Apple is charging basically compared to the competition, and um, I don't know. I, I just feel like it probably will be okay uh, among consumers anyway. Yeah, I mean, obviously they were cherry picking examples. I don't remember which Apple head it was who was whether it was Cook or or, or who was doing it. But uh, when they were showing the iPad tablet apps next to the Android tablet apps, it really uh-huh. does drive home kind of the deficiency that that Android is still working from. You know, with regard to tablet apps, yeah. it's, it's been it's been almost two years, I think, since we've seen the first Android tablet. And most of the apps, like some big ones even, are still just like stretched out phone apps with lots of white space and and they just don't look that great. Well, you know, that's that's an interesting point, Andrew. And frankly, I would characterize that maybe I'm maybe I'm going out on a limb, but I characterize <laughs> that more as a more as a cultural thing, like the, the type of developer that Android attracts versus the type of, of developer an Apple tablet attracts. I, I think that I mean there there are obviously technological issues behind you know, developing for an Android tablet versus a, an Apple tablet, but I think a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, the bad layouts and funky UIs on Android apps versus comparable iOS apps have to do with the mindset of the developers who are making them. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with that completely. I think that part of Apple's bragging point is the you know developer community that they have such a strong community of people who are developing really nice looking apps that work really well um, and so I think that's part of why Apple likes to brag about that kind of stuff um, because you're right I think it is a mindset this is a this is an argument that Peter Bright makes a lot about um, between like Mac apps and Windows apps too it's it is a it it's a good argument and it's something that you can see I mean look at um, there, there are tons of examples. The, the one I point out a lot is um, there's, a, there's an application for Windows called WinSCP that you can use for secure file transfers. It's, it, it works great. Its UI is, is, looks like somebody just threw up all over Explorer. <laughs> it's horrible. There's a, there are tons of Mac apps that do the same thing. The one I use is called Flow, and it's absolutely beautiful and has neat animations, and it looks amazing and is also incredibly functional. It's, it's a good pocket example. Yeah, that's that's a that's interesting because I I don't know how the like whether the same teams are developing the iOS and Android apps because you have like big companies like Dropbox and Twitter who well, I mean the newest Twitter for iPad I guess might uh, <laughs> might arguably be better than Twitter for Android but you've got <laughs> these companies who can uh, obviously make a good tablet app that makes good use of the screen. Who are you know doing that on iOS, but not so much on Android? Yeah, I think I imagine that maybe the the demand is different. I think the even the way that um, consumers can make requests and write reviews for the apps in the App Store might have something to do with that because you can get some of those numbers and really see from people what they want. I know on Android, like their storefront. Uh, that's also going to be available, but I wonder if just by scale, if there's fewer 
people wanting features or app requests in Android and you just have everybody concentrated in the iOS world, that you're going to probably at least address that first or maybe put more resources to it. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's it would be interesting to talk to a few different developer groups and see what what their experiences have been. Well, and then going back to why the iPad Mini might be appealing in terms of apps is the fact that basically it runs everything that's already in App Store. It's just like um, Tim Cook was saying on stage, which is that it's it's a it's kind of a shrunken down iPad 2. So anything that runs on an iPad 2 can run on, on an iPad Mini, and that's you know a lot of apps, and those already exist. You can get them now. To, yeah, to me that's huge appeal. I. You know, I think for any person who's maybe already got experience with a with a tablet, the best thing you could always ask them is before you make the conversation happen about what what app or tablet they should get, you have to say how do you use it now. And you know, for me, I've I've got a lot of reading that I do, but I actually do a lot of work related stuff. I check my email. I might jump onto IRC on there, and um, it's I need to be mobile with it. So I have LTE on it. And when the Mini was announced, uh, though it's not within my budget, if I had the opportunity to choose between the bigger form factor and the smaller one, knowing that it runs all the same apps as uh, the iPad uh, would be really appealing because I can have something smaller in my bag that functions as my Wi-Fi hotspot and uh, you know, actually costs less. And the, that would be kind of cool. But uh, I'm happy with what I've got. I'm not going to change my iPad yeah. jumbo, I, as they call it. I think if you already, <laughs> yeah, I think if you already own an iPad jumbo or another kind of <laughs> <laughs> large, large tablet device, it would be a hard sell to um, justify buying an iPad Mini or trading for an iPad Mini. Um, but I think that if you're new to it, then it might be really appealing. Well, for sure. I was thinking of I was thinking I would buy a mini because I don't have an iPad now I, I'd like to have one for work stuff which is how I justify pretty much every frivolous tech purchase that I <laughs> that I make now but um, they upgraded the iPad jumbo too so like it's got a brand new processor it's got the you know it's got the retina display now you know it's a uh, I was going to buy a mini until they upgraded the big one. And now I think that the big one might actually be a better purchase for me as somebody who doesn't have an iPad already. I, um, I mean, I, I wasn't, I guess we weren't really planning on talking about iPad jumbo, um, <laughs> but, but we could talk about it because um, I am curious to know what you think, Andrew, in terms of uh, the processor upgrade. Do you think that it's really uh, significant between iPad three and the f- I guess iPad 4 or whatever. I guess it's just called iPad now. <laughs> well, I mean, according to Apple's performance estimates and um, the kind of guesswork that Chris uh, was doing up on the site the other day, I mean, they're promising the same kind of double performance gains over the iPad 3 um, with the iPad 4. So, I mean, it is a it is a big jump, especially when you consider that the iPad mini is still using, like, year and a half old iPad 2 guts at this point. Yeah, it's not it has an A5, right? I think. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I know a lot of, you know, we're kind of talking about it on the site even, you know, people sort of arguing over whether the iPad 3 is now completely worthless and obsolete compared to the <laughs> iPad 4. And um I mean, certainly everyone likes having the fastest thing and and I 
I think it's totally cool that they added a faster processor to the iPad. But, um, you know, as you know, there's lots of people who are angsty about the fact that they just bought an iPad 3, and now it's now it's outdated. It's not the fastest thing. It's not the coolest iPad. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. Do you feel... I mean, do you have any thoughts on that, you know, personally, Andrew, or... Well, it's they haven't really done that with any iOS devices before. Like aside from, I want I, I think the 4s was that the one that made the switch with the iPhone from like a July release to an October release. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, they've been like super predictable in their in their kind of update cadences. So if you bought an iPad three like two or three months in, you knew you still had you know nine months before they release a new one, and with with the iPad 4, while it's you know it's always great to have an upgrade, they kind of disrupted that a little bit, and I wonder if it's going to make people more hesitant to like trust them. It's it's such a hard thing to decide how I feel about it because I do I I fall on the side of you know you bought it you liked it when you bought it so it's not like it's any worse today than it was yesterday but but I do sympathize with people who might have waited a little longer if they knew um, an update was coming so soon. Um, Because, you know, if you're concerned about, say, future app compatibility or future iOS updates, um, you know how Apple is. They're somewhat aggressive in sort of not supporting older devices. So, uh, you know, if you're concerned about that, if that's your main thing, then then I can see why you might be slightly irked uh, that they've already basically moved on and it's not even a year yet. But, um, but otherwise, I mean, if you're just using it for your normal life and you're probably going to upgrade in two years anyway, uh, you know, I guess I feel like, what does it really matter? You know, my iPad three is still just as useful as it was last week. Um, yeah, I, I agree that the responsiveness from the thing, thanks to its processor, it has me plenty happy. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I switch between that and, uh, and an Ian Kindle at home because the turning speed and just the ability to be precise with the things that you click on and, and uh, choose in menus uh, is far better in the iPad. Although I prefer e-ink on the eyes that, you know, there's times when I actually just want to read a book and I know I might actually have to flip around a lot or like hit the index. And on the iPad, there's just no question, you know, it, it performs really well. And for other things too, like as a, uh, as we talked about before, like video or games, I mean, I just don't have a complaint about it, which is probably what indicate what informs my decision to not uh, get an upgrade at this point. Oh yeah, you know, I, I think for most people, most people won't be bothered by it. I don't think, but there is kind of the update issue, and you wonder whether that whether you know that three months that you didn't wait for an iPad 4 is going to be the difference between you getting like iOS 9 and not. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, it's, my, and it's coming. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. it's coming. My brother-in-law is a, is, a, is a technology purchaser agonizer. He does the six months of research <laughs> on every yeah. single device he, he looks at, does it with cars, does it with appliances, does it with everything. And um, finally was convinced after the iPad 3 dropped shortly, uh, shortly after that, to to switch over and actually buy one, and he was like so excited after doing you know all this research and fiddling with one, and and I haven't talked to him yet, um, 
we're, we're actually supposed to have dinner in a couple of days, and I'm going to ask him, like, as soon as I see him, so how's your iPad doing? Oh, hey, did you hear about that new one that came out? I'm, I'm sure he's, he's grinding his teeth. You're going to troll your family members, is what you're saying. So, <laughs> yeah, I, um, my... My mom actually is – she loves buying the latest stuff. She often has the latest gadgets earlier than me because I tend to be more conservative with my buying purchases. Um, but she has an iPad too, so I'm sure at this point she's probably dying to buy an, a new iPad 4 or maybe a mini. I don't, I don't know. Who knows? I should find out and uh, write an article about like the parent segment. <laughs> you know, what's amazing to me though is uh, how this again just kind of shows the – the graduation level uh, where tablets are at, and I know iPad has a huge portion of the market share that you know that that was mentioned earlier this week. But um, just how comfortable people are with these objects in their home, like they really seem like home objects. And I think there, what I'm seeing also is um, people have a relationship to them that's sort of. Uh, like this is my stuff. It's very like emotional. Like like they would have a photograph on their desk of a loved one. Like they really like this thing in their house, and um, it's it's fascinating to me. I mean, people to start ascribing like human qualities to these things. Like this is my little guy. You know, like it's it's uh, very strange. Do you really know someone who has done that? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, people love, uh, and I'm not going to say what brand so that people don't get angry. But like, they, I mean, people just love this thing. Uh, this was a, a family member. Um, huh. Yeah. My, I just when, Once people sort of latch on to the thing that they like to do with it, they're just really happy. I've seen so many people, we've talked about this before too, uh, Jackie, like older people who just love being able to surf the, the web and answer email through the thing. Like, just makes them happy. Do you, think people, do you think people feel that way about their cheaper devices that are similar, like, like e-ink Kindles? I mean, are, are people as attached I think with the Kindle, you have a different, maybe even higher level of emotion involved because you have your book collection in there. And the way that people treat their bookshelves at home, if they love books, is very emotional. They're like, these are my books. I collected these over time. Or this is like the Lord of the Rings, and it's a book that I you know, feel really strongly about. And if they carry those in their Kindle, they also have that sort of like warm, fuzzy feeling because of the books themselves. But the device yeah. lets you carry so many, um, I think you get attached to the thing. Like I I don't plan on upgrading my Kindle yet either for a while. And I'm just really happy with mine because my books are in there. It's so it's such a strange thing. But I've seen you know, I've interviewed people about this and they kind of report the same thing. They're like, oh my copy of um, the War and Peace is in there. So that makes me feel <laughs> like I can go to bed at night a little bit uh, more calmly. Like, strange to say. <laughs> yes, that's true. I do, um, I do really think about my Kindle as like the holder of all my books and therefore I, you know, guard it with my life. But um, it is interesting. I think people do think of it differently, but differently but similar in that way. I wonder about photographs, though. I I love fo- photography. I'm not always attached to photographs in, in that deep way. But for people who have a lot of photographs on a, on an iPad or a tablet, uh, I wonder if they feel that way about it. They they play. Have you watched this show Revolution? Um, it's the post apocalyptic show that's like based in Chicago. <laughs> no, I've been wanting to. I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to be good, but uh, the premise is all me. So yeah. I don't, have have either have Andrew or Lee watched it? No, I've seen the I've seen the previews, but no, I haven't watched it. Well, well, like one, I've watched a little bit of it. Um, what like this? 
it's kind of it's not really a plot point, but it's just kind of a thing that they have. This woman that's in this show, she um, well, okay, for the readers who have not seen the show or have no idea what it's about, basically the gist is that something happened at some point um, and all the power went out, like in the U.S. and I think in the world, the world possibly. Yeah, yeah. And so everything everything that we use that uses power, electricity, um, died. All of our computers, phones, the you know everything. So um, part of like this little kind of side thing that they have is that this woman in this show um, is carrying around like a dead iPhone that she's been carrying around for like 15 years now that cannot power up. And everyone keeps asking her like, why are you carrying around this old iPhone? And she's like, Oh, it has the only photos of my children on it. The only photos that I have of my kids are on this phone. And um, I, I, I think that's, they're trying to point out that, like, we've basically, all we do now is carry around, like, gadgets that have our, have our photos. We don't really have printed photos like we do, or like we used to, uh, unless you, know, you go out, out of your way. That's really interesting. I, I Now I, now I kind of want to go, go back and watch it. Although I question, well, never mind. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go all <laughs> comic book guy on it. I'm like, I wonder <laughs> well, if the, yeah, the ships would still have a charge and, yeah, okay, no. There are lots no, of I am, No, there's, I, there's a lot of, uh, we should have maybe a show in the future to talk about it because the, the premise <laughs> yeah. is great. And the way that they've done it, if you notice what Jackie said about the 15 years go by, the, if you watch the pilot, <clears throat> the, the power just goes out, right? So planes fall out of the sky, everything just stops working. But then as soon as they show you that, then they fast forward 15 years later to see right. how people are doing. And then uh, you don't you still don't know why the power went out. It's just it's it's a cool, intriguing premise. Let's watch it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's watch it. Uh, it sounds like something that would that would both fascinate and enrage me. Yes. <laughs> Somewhat of an enraging show because um, I, I'll give a tiny spoiler. At some point in one of the first few episodes, they like bring back the power for like like thirty seconds by accident, and everyone's like, "Holy shit, what happened?" And then like this woman's iPhone comes on instantly for like thirty seconds, and she sees a picture of her son, and she's crying. And I'm like, "That phone has been dead for fifteen oh, years." Oh but- yeah. <laughs> All right. We I know about that long <laughs> pause and waiting for the Apple icon to show up. We know. <laughs> battery is not going to be charged. I mean, oh, right. It's not even the Apple icon. It's actually the battery icon, and that that could take a day. I've seen that yeah. happen with other devices from Apple. But anyway, it does make a good point. I mean, if you're attached to those kinds of things, like photos and stuff, you know, we do sort of don't really have that 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 kind of emotional stuff that we carry around anymore. We don't have our books. We only have Kindles. You know, we don't have photos, um, that kind of stuff. I forgot where we were going with this. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, We've gotten very philosophical now about what it, things mean. It was just reminded uh, about photos. Yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. So, Jackie, uh, back to the iPad. I have some questions for for you about it. When you picked it up, uh, was it that much lighter? Was it a dramatic difference between that and uh, an iPad Jumbo? So, iPad Jumbo. Um, <laughs> well, uh, so it's a little bit hard to say when you only kind of are playing with it for like ten minutes. Um, I would say that it was very Kindle-like in that it was light, um, certainly lighter than an iPad Jumbo. Um, I mean, I love my iPad, but I think I think anyone would be willing to acknowledge that it's a little bit big and heavy if you're going to just kind of hold it with one hand and read or anything like that. Um, so I feel like the iPad Mini definitely addressed that problem in that it's light. You can easily hold it with one hand, whether you hold it the crazy way that Apple showed with like your hand gripping the whole back or if you're just holding it on the side. 
um, I, I think that it's very Kindle-like in that way. So um, I think for people who are more casual, like people who just want to read more, um, it might be good. Um, and and it, the thing is, though, you know, Apple, it is kind of all marketing stuff, but it's also true um, to some degree in that what Apple says that it doesn't seem that much smaller than a full-size iPad. I mean, it is smaller, and you know that it's smaller, but when you're reading the screen, it's not significantly smaller. Um, so it's not like you're, you know, squinting to read or anything like that, or, or at least I'm not. Do you think, Jackie, the lack of the lack of retina display and the form factor affects it negatively, or do you think it's a positive thing because the ba- extended battery life and you can you can use the the less powerful processor without without uh, without too much of an impact? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Would you like to see retina in it? Um, I, I think it's a trade off. I mean, I personally don't. I guess I don't really have an opinion on what I would have liked to see. Um, I think it's trade off. It's just like you said. Uh, you know, you have battery life. Um, advantages plus of course I, I think i wrote this somewhere on the site this week uh you know if they added a retina display it would just add to the cost and so you know at this point apple is trying to keep costs low and it's already more expensive than other seven inch tablets so i mean you can you can't really add on too much more as it is um so i think in that sense when it comes down to cost and other advantages like battery life and whatnot um i think it's fine to not have a retina display um i don't really I don't think it's like a loss or anything. Um, but I do know some people who are, who wish that it had one. Um, so, I mean, I guess it really just depends on what you value. Um, I didn't think that when I was playing with it for those like 10 minutes, um, I didn't think it was like a significant, you know, it wasn't like making my eyes bleed or anything (laughs) that it. Sure. Does it, does it make a difference? So I, so I, have, I haven't had in my hands an iPad 3, an iPad with Retina display. Um, and so we, we were talking about uh, you know, the comparison between iPads and Kindles. And so, uh, Cesar, maybe this is kind of a question for you. Do, you. do you think that having Retina in an iPad makes a difference when you're using it as an, as an e-reader? Or, or is it, do you typically hold it far enough away to where it doesn't matter? Or, I'm genuinely curious because I've never actually messed with a, an an iPad with yeah, we, we've covered this on, on the site before, and uh, I think personally, I think that there is a really um, remarkable difference when you have a Retina screen for what I'm going to call uh, either the extreme ends of the, the typeface spectrum. If the fonts are really large or really tiny, it, it's going to help and support your reading a ton. So, in comparison to a Kindle. Uh, the Kindle looks very, very sharp on the screen for other technological reasons, the way that it displays. And because it's not backlit, uh, your eyes, I think, pick it up a little bit differently. But the answer is yes. You know, I think if you intend to read quite a bit and maybe you have uh, you wear glasses or you have contacts, uh, I think an iPad with a retina screen or any device with a retina type screen is going to really be satisfying to you. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I also want to stay with my iPad because I use it so much for reading. Uh, I enjoy having like that super good clarity on the screen. There is a point where it stops sort of being that useful, though. I mean, it's rate of diminishing returns. You can keep stuffing it with pixels, but a lot of that still has to do with how the fonts are rendered and the programming that goes on in the you know behind the scenes for that. So... Um, you know, it's a bunch of different factors, but yes, I enjoy the the Retina on on an iPad. 
So the Mini, I'd love to get my hands on it just to see what that looks like, because that might keep me from getting one until they put that retina screen in it. Well, I just love reading on these things. <laughs> I, I really, um, I always have a conflict over what I really like to read on. Um, my, I have sensitive eyes, so I don't really like reading on a backlit screen ever, pretty much. Um, but it, it's kind of like what Andrew said earlier in the show, which is the best e-reader is the one that you have on you. So the fact is I have my iPad on me like all the time, which is why I sort of defaulted to it as my e-reader um, for a long time, probably for the last year or year and a half. Um, but recently I'm trying to switch back to Kindle because it is easier on my eyes. I don't get headaches when I read on e-ink. Um, and then also, actually, I have other reasons for switching back to Kindle, too, which is that I apparently just cannot focus on a book as well if I have other things going on. Alerts coming in. I can check Twitter easily on my iPad. Um, when I know that I'm basically holding, like, a, a mini computer, it just changes my mindset. Like, I, I just can't focus. Whereas on a Kindle, I would never in a million years ever try to use that crappy browser to do anything. <laughs> so basically, it means I can only read on it, which is, it, for me at least, it is kind of almost mentally liberating. It's like, okay, y- you are really just reading a book, and that's all you can do on this thing. And um, so that's another reason why I'm sort of trying to switch back to my Kindle. And I think that's a lot of the appeal of them. Like if you asked, Lee, the people who you polled to say why they preferred an e-ink Kindle, I'm sure that, you know, the lack of distraction would be a big factor for most people. You know, I yeah. I think that it is because even if you don't think that you are easily distracted, like I'm not actually really easily distracted. You know, I focus well when I'm working, but man, it just changes your mindset when you know that you could be doing all these other things. You you know, if you're reading something and uh, like a funny tweet pops into your brain, like you're just like, okay, I'll switch to Twitter right now and do that. And then now you've interrupted your reading. So that's how I work anyway. Yeah, I've even experimented <laughs> with just turning off the its connectivity altogether. And you'd be surprised after maybe 30, 40 minutes, I'm itching to just check, you know, messages and, and tweets and um I know we've discussed it on the show, actually, with, with um, Ryan Paul and uh, Casey in the past, where we all sort of reflected on how distracted or how we multitask this way and how we used to you know, be able to read books for longer periods of time. I've taken it on as a project recently to, to actually f- teach myself how to read again <laughs> for long periods of time. And I'm not being very successful <laughs> yet because <laughs> I still check. I mean, I, uh, even with uh, airport mode on, I am still checking occasionally. And I would like to just go like, um, let's say, two hours, you know, yeah. s- sustained reading because that's kind of what I'm used to. And it's what feels better, actually, when you just read a book for a long period of time. I don't even know that I could go like a whole hour anymore reading, <laughs> reading a book. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, my attention span has gotten very short. Um, which is part of why I have like eight trillion half finished books and and none that I've finished lately. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what my video game shelf looks like now too. Is a bunch of stuff that I've played maybe five hours of and then <laughs> never picked up again. <laughs> now, now, what about gaming uh, experiences on the the tablets? You know, Lee and uh, Andrew. You know, do you guys ever play on those devices? I'm I'm not a I'm not a fan. I mean, and maybe that maybe that's cuz I'm old, you know, I'm all of I'm all of an ancient decrepit 34, but I mean, jeez. 
I, you know, okay, yeah, I've got Bejeweled on my on my iPhone, and I, I certainly do fiddle with that from time to time. And I've got a couple, like I've played Cut the Rope and, and a couple of other little, you know, games. But, I mean, yeah, the idea of actually sitting down and gaming on a phone or a tablet just seems just seems exhausting. I mean, who wants... And obviously, a lot of people really want to do it, and good for them. But, I mean, <laughs> I, not, not me. I mean, I'd rather sit down... At my at my computer with my nice big screen and my mouse and my keyboard, which is how God intended games to be played, and <laughs> and play games, not fiddle around with you know thumbs, and even it and even like the retro gaming stuff, like the Nintendo emulators and the Commodore emulators that you see on on Android and iPhones, where you can play old retro games. That even those, I just, I just I just can't do it. I'm I I got a game on my computer. I think that. I mean, certainly iPads and, and other tablets are um, – people who game on those devices are probably more casual gamers. Um, I think that's sort of a given. But but I think Andrew is right. I think generally the, the majority of the population are casual gamers. You know, people – most people are not, you know, hardcore PC gamers. So uh, – but that doesn't mean PC gaming is going away. It just means that there's different demographics. <laughs> well, you know, I, I really think the – the size factor on this iPad mini is going to impact the way that games are played. I think that you're going to see a lot of complaints about people from people about how, how their game now plays on this. Cause if you've got a smaller screen, you know, things still fit, but if you have the ability to like basically jam your, your whole hand across the thing, now you're blocking out the, your field of vision in certain games, depending on how the controls are set up. And, I don't know. I I'm, I I think it. You'll see the complaints, and maybe you'll get better games too. Maybe the, the design of the games will be geared more towards that smaller form factor. Um, but I agree with Lee that they're the games are kind of clunky. I've I've struggled to find like the coolest, best games on the iPad, and I have a few that I think are worthy contenders. But I don't love gaming on the iPad the way that I would love gaming on a console. I think. Maybe I'm old. Maybe I just you know can't let go of consoles. <laughs> what um what games do you like on the iPad? Like what do you think are good ones? Uh, Waking Mars, I, I recommend a lot, and um, I'm also playing the the port of Final Fantasy three, which is always great. And the, I like how they did the controls on that. Uh, and Mage Gauntlet, which looks sort of like the classic like NES uh, action RPGs. Uh, you just move that around with your thumbs, and you have some power ups. Um, they're they're very basic games. Some of these, like Waking Mars, is sort of like um, a little bit of Metroid in there, but um, I haven't found anything that has truly blown me away. And I, I'm probably going to struggle with this for a while because I just I, I read every review hoping that this might be the the one that like changes my life. And there there have been there have been a couple that okay, so I'll go ahead and, and go back on what I said. There have been a couple that have <laughs> kind of latched onto me for for a couple of hours that I've really sunk several several hours into, and then totally given up on and and decided that they sucked. <laughs> but uh, like for example, and I think I got this from from a review that uh, that Ben put up. Um, last year or the year before when he was still with the site, uh, there's a game called, um, it's an iPhone uh, app. It's called Papa Sangre, and it's, a, it is, it's, it's an audio-only game. Uh, and it's, it's themed like, it's very, um, it's very Day of the Dead themed, like uh, uh, Mexican Day of the Dead. And the, the premise of the game is you are killed and transported to the afterlife, and the game's all played through audio, so you have to have headphones on to play it. But the screen you use to turn yourself left or turn yourself right and, like, 
tap your feet to move forward and backwards and you get a sense of the world around you. Everything is conveyed through positional audio. It's actually really cool. Um, unfortunately, it's not something you can just kind of sit down and, and casually play in the <laughs> middle of things because you have to kind of close your eyes and focus on it. But the execution was really, really neat. Yeah, it really depends on the kinds of games that you're looking for because like, if you like PC games like you do, Lee, or if you like classic console games like Cesar does... There's some stuff that kind of tries to approximate it, but because the controls that those games rely on aren't there, like it's just it's it, the experience is kind of subpar. But if you're looking at word games like I know, like Words with Friends, um, Spell Tower, sure, uh, there are tons of them, and uh, like turn-based games like um, Hero Academy is a good one. Just any game where like you can take a turn, put your phone away, and then take your phone back out and like you have a turn to take again. Like those kind of experiences have been my favorite. And I should qualify some of this. I, I do think a lot of developers and gaming companies are, are making huge strides and in, like innovating inside the iPad. But a lot of the complaints I have come from my taste in games. And I, I like innovative gameplay, but I like games that take me hours and hours and hours and hours to finish. And I think maybe there's just a limiting factor inside an iPad of what kind of long experiences you can have. Maybe what we're saying is your living room <laughs> or your home office might be the best place to, to play forever and maybe not something more casual like, like an iPad. But I bet you there's a ton of teenagers out there who actually could play forever on an iPad. I guarantee I'm sure. This. Yeah. Even, um, like, Clint's uh, little eight-year-old sister, she's, like, addicted to iPad games. Of course, she's not playing, like, you know, first-person shooters or anything. But, I mean, she could play for hours. And, and I think young young people, <laughs> people younger than us, at least, <laughs> probably will. Uh, I mean, they're going to grow up in, in the age of, of tablets. So they're going to certainly have their frame of mind uh, slightly shifted from what we're used to when it comes to gaming and pretty much everything. I do. Uh, my little my little two-year-old niece tries to swipe um, magazines and, and becomes very frustrated when they don't, when wow. you can't swipe at a magazine and no. it doesn't do anything. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting to see like toddler age kids interact with these devices because my girlfriend's like two-year-old uh, nephew, basically, um, can pick up his mother's phone and swipe it to unlock it and like open Fruit Ninja and play with it. But he can barely talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I totally just got an iPhone call from like a three-year-old uh, just the other day. And it was the same thing. Like she totally knew how to swipe it and just kind of poke around. And she called me um, and without like anyone's help. <laughs> and it's very uh, – it's it's disturbing. It's cool uh, to see because, you're you know, it's kind of interesting to see that kids can just pick these things up so fast. Um, but it's also disturbing because it's like, Jesus, you know, what is it going to be in like 10 years when, when technology, you know, advances to the point where these kids are like doing everything on their tablets and phones and, and we're going to be the old fogies complaining about how PC games were awesome back in the day. And <laughs> I'm already doing that. that kind of I, mean, thing. <laughs> I spent most of the day doing that. <laughs> I keep yeah. wondering what that one new gadget is going to be where I'm just totally not going to get it. It'll be like the biggest thing in the whole world, but I won't understand it and I'll think it's stupid. I know. I can't wait for that day. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. 
for the day when like people have like brain implants with iOS installed on them or something, <laughs> and you're just like, oh, I'm gonna just send a tweet, and then you just think about it and send it, and all the kids are gonna be doing it, and we're gonna be like, why do you do that? Send it from your fingers. And we'll be writing op-eds about how it's ruining society. And- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap up this show. So uh, <laughs> thank you, Andrew and Lee, for joining us. And thank you, Cesar, for being here as always. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. And um, I guess we'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk about something else interesting and tech-related. <laughs> so thanks. See you soon. See ya. Bye. In a previous show, I talked about bed bugs and how I was kind of spooked by them. Nothing came of that. But now that I'm actually in the apartment in New York City, I am glad to say I don't have rodents. There's no giant cockroaches. Like, life is good. I'm very grateful for that. But in the Amityville horror kind of way, there's mosquitoes in the apartment and they bite me all at night. It's like I'm in the jungle, even though I'm in a one bedroom. This late in the year that you have mosquitoes still? That's what spooks me. And I can't figure out where the standing water is, like how they're getting in. But now I've gone to these great lengths to find like natural ways to repel them. So I've like <laughs> rubbed my whole body down with uh, like essential oils and like I'm spraying the stuff that I made. And um, it's ridiculous. You, you like have candles all around your desk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've rubbed the walls with essential oils. Like oh, I God. went that far. Yeah. I, I live in a land where quarterly pest treatments are the norm so mm. you, you have no sympathy for me in fact i'm due to have my bug man in again very soon i think uh, that's no. the key called the bug man but i get scared about those chemicals yeah well yeah. um i've been doing it for a while and i'm still normal <laughs> <laughs> lee's like whatever i've already yeah. ingested all the chemicals <laughs> they feel right. good man these chemicals are good <laughs> luckily Give for me, me all new jersey is New Jersey is a place where living things don't really thrive, so we, we don't have too many insect <laughs> problems. That's sinister. Well, the the thing it keeps me wishing for is that I, I really need spiders. Like I, I like spiders at you know as a species, but the, if I had more, they would take care of all these mosquitoes, and I I don't know where the spiders have gone. I just want to clip out the audio of you saying, "I really need spiders." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll save it. I'll send it to you. You could have that be the ringtone when I call you.